to another edition of Always Pressing Pod, your PGA DFS information with the guys. I'm Bubby. You can find me on Twitter at BDN Trick. You got Jesse on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. And as always, we got Bucks. Find me on Twitter at BP Snow 11. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Doing great, man. Doing good, man. Glad to be here again. The last yeah. night of the year. Let's get it. Yep, yep, it's a big one. Last major of the year, like you said, we are here to preview the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow. Before we dig into that, real quick, real quick, Jesse, start with you. What did you think of uh, the Bridgestone overall? Kind of uh, did it meet your expectations with all the the big names there, or was it kind of just like yeah? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I played golf all weekend again, so I didn't really pay a whole heck of a lot of attention on the weekend. But, uh... <laughs> You know, it's kind of a thing for me this time of year just to, to not watch golf, which kind of hampers my ability to analyze it. But one way or the other, basically, good tournament again. Um, you know, a lot of big names up top there. Uh, of course, Thomas Peters couldn't close it out, but uh, Bot could. Yeah, what do you think about that one, Bucks? Yeah, I thought it was awesome, man. Um, it was a great event to watch. A ton of, obviously, a ton of really good golf. And I think Matsuyama really put on a show Sunday, and it was something special. I mean, it's the lowest – I think it's the lowest round they've ever had at the WGC course record, and he was on fire all day. The putter was hot. Very hot. Um, I won't go through the whole leaderboard, but there was a couple of standouts. Obviously, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Golf Gods, Casey, another top <laughs> five. Um <laughs> But like more importantly, well, not more. Nothing's more important than Paul Casey. But um, <laughs> Charlie Hoffman continues to stay hot, which I thought was pretty impressive, especially when we talked about how low his price was last week. Uh, McElroy kept it going, which kind of sucks coming into this week, which we'll get to. And then one name that stood out to me, and I know Jesse, we talked about this guy a lot, and he struggled lately. But Adam Hadwin with the top five, good to see him back uh, in the realm of relativity again. Yeah, he played but, really well. Uh, all four rounds. Really, really pretty good. Yeah, really, really well. So that was great to see. Uh, Jesse, kicking it off with you, how was the DFS weekend? Anything that stood out there? Uh, I mean, I, I, I really had nothing going um, all weekend. I did have a little bit of uh, a decky up on FanDuel, so I salvaged some there. But, I mean, other than that, I, it was it was not a good week for me at all whatsoever. What about you, Bucks? How, did you hit anything? Uh, fortunately, I was in Delaware, which does not have DraftKings, because <laughs> because I would have lost all the monies last week. I think yeah. uh, I would have I would have had all the lineups I tried to create had Duffner in it, and uh, he tanked it hard. So I got I was fortunate to be in Delaware for the weekend, um, but I did have uh, Matsuyama on the list last week, so that would have salvaged some of it, but being a hundred percent Duffner last week because of all of his, uh, one, he's been hot too. He was perfect in my stat model for the course and just came out weak, uninterested. It seemed like so. Um, he actually had a lot of birdies though. He, he scored a lot of DK oh, yeah. points. It's just that he didn't finish very highly. And that's the issue with a no cut event. 
is you got to have the guys who finish high. Um, and if you don't, like I had way too much Rusty Henley at 66, drawing dead from almost the very beginning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I used the uh, Bucks approach of three lineups. Two of them cashed, so at least it did something. But, you there know, you Rose Rose was a coffin <laughs> in one lineup and um, good old Woodland. That's a that's a round of golf, a round of a weekend of golf. I'd like to not see ever again. Um, that was dreadful. Not as bad as Mister uh, Mister uh, Bellow, but <laughs> that was rough. Let's just put that one behind us and let's get to what's really important: it is the fourth major of the year, the PGA Championship. Before we get into the actual event in itself, let's have a little fun with this. Start with you, Bucks. Rank your top four, your majors in order of one through four. It's got to be Masters, clear number one. Uh, then the British Open, U.S. Open, the PGA. What about you, Jesse? Uh, yeah, for me, Masters, like you said, uh, head and shoulders above the rest. I think one one of the things that makes the Masters so grand is it's the opening of golf season for pretty much most of the country, and it's just the most prestigious course in the country. Um, and then I have the U.S. Open because I'm American. <laughs> and then the Open Championship. And then finally, the PGA Championship. Now, the PGA Championship is fourth, but it's still, for me, bigger and better than any other golf tournament that's not a major. So it's still the fourth best golf tournament of the year, in my opinion, no matter what. Yeah, I'm going to be that um, American that can go outside the country because my number one is the British Open. <laughs> uh, I've talked about how much I enjoy just the different nature of golf that it is. The Masters is a close second. You can't not like the Masters. It's awesome. Um, they need to kind of tone down the green on the screen once in a while. It gets a little rough on the eyes on a Sunday morning hangover. But um, other than that, the U.S. Open is great. And the PGA, like you said, Jesse, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just like you have three amazing golf tournaments, and then you have a really good golf tournament. So, yeah. and, and the, the, I guess the best part about the Masters is it's always the same course. So you get used to, you know, Augusta and all that, but uh, we'll go that route. But let's get to the PGA Championship. Jesse, um, you sent out a tweet today that the past seven winners of the PGA, like you said, um, all played the week before. Basically, we're all top 22 or better. Um, give us a little past event history. Yeah, that was that was a retweet, so I can't I cannot take credit for that. But so – PGA Championship, last major of the year, um, played at a different golf course just about every year, or it, is, it kind of rotates or whatever. Um, Jimmy Walker won last year, Jason Day in 2015, Rory McIlroy in 2014. He also won in 2012. Um, and this year, you know, we're at Quail Hollow, which has a PGA Tour event every year. So we do have some pretty good course history, unlike most of the time whenever these, these guys play uh, this this championship. That's really good. Uh, Bucks, take us into a little course preview that you put together, and then Jesse's got a little insider info on that we'd like to talk about as well. Yeah, so I think um, Quail Hollow, uh, obviously being on tour almost every year, last year was the uh, – or this past year was the first it wasn't in a long time because they were changing some of the course. Um, but it's 7,400 yards, I think, I heard, uh, I think we read on Twitter earlier, it's going to be 7,600 for the event. They're going to tip it out. Um, but somewhere between the 74 and 7,600 yard range as a par 71. 
So super long. Um, they are expecting a bunch of rain this week, um, or at least a chance of rain every day. So some of the fairways could get soft. Some of the rough could get really thick. Um, but one of the things they did over the last year is they switched from a bent grass on the greens um, to an ultra dwarf Bermuda. So with new greens at any course, um, they're going to firm up. So we expect the greens to be really firm, um, especially when you're considering all the long irons they are going to have to hit into the greens. It should be interesting. Uh, one thing of note also, because they switched to this Bermuda, they removed over a thousand trees on the golf course to give the green some light. So it's going to have a little different feel this year, um, but it should still play pretty difficult. Um, the last, I think, 10 years at Quail Hollow, the average average winning score is like uh, 13 under. This year, I don't think it gets close to that, just the way they've set up the course, how long it is. And then really the, the, the big – uh, finish on Sunday is going to come down to what they call the green mile and that's 16, 17 and 18. And I mean, just from looking at the yardages and the holes and the way they play, I mean, 16 is 504 yard par four, 17 is 225 yard par three. And then 18 is uh, another 500 yard par four. Um, really hard, hard hole with the Creek running down the left side um, should be some really dramatic finishes. Um, but like I said, with the way they have it set up, the length, I think, uh, and the new greens, I think we're going to see a score more around the five, six under range. Nice. Uh, Jesse, why don't you give us some of that info you uh, were showing us today in our chat? Yeah. Um, so I had a buddy, he lives in Charlotte, and he got uh, practice round tickets for today. And, you know, my only big question was, you know, what's the rough like? And so he sent me some pictures, and it, it looks – and you guys can attest to this. It looks pretty rough <laughs> for rough. Uh, it was long, thick. You know, he sent me a picture with his hand stuck down in it. You could not see his hand, and it was all the way up past his fingertips. Um, it is going to be gradually longer the further you get away from the, the fairway, but I've, I've already heard that it's about two and a half um, you know, inches in length, and they're not planning on cutting it uh, before the tournament. So it's going to, you know, I tried to find out how fast Bermuda grows today, and it's not really that possible to find out. So, anyways, I'm guessing, you know, three-inch rough or something like that is probably uh, pretty close to what it'll be playing. Um, but, you know, also, too, we heard today, too, that the the greens themselves are getting um, kind of some unpredictable bounces. Uh, I think that has to do with the newness of them. Some places are going to be harder. Some places are going to be softer. So, you know, guy may hit it you know, where he thinks that it's going to hit and run out or he, he thinks it's going to hit and spin and he may get a big old bounce or he may not get any bounce at all whatsoever. So the unpredictability of the greens is going to play a big factor this week. Yeah, and I think because of that and the because of the greens and the unpredictability and especially coming in from 200-plus yards on the majority of the holes, I, I really think you're going to have to target some really good scramblers. Um, I think everybody is going to be hitting it from 200 yards plus no matter if you're John Rahm or if you're Steve Stricker. And so finding somebody that can get up and down the majority of the time, I think that's going to be your big difference maker. Yeah. Um, we also, like, I believe you mentioned it already, Bucks. It's like you have the, the 
fairway, and got an intermediate rough, and then you, it's a pretty good size, and then you get into the heavy rough. So you can miss a little, but not a ton, and be okay. But um, you've played quail before. What are your thoughts when you played it uh, previously? Yeah, I played it a couple of years ago, um, and I know it's changed since then. But, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely can't be too far off the fairway. Again, with some of the changes, some of the trees being gone, it might be different. But um, with some of the dog legs on the course, you can't be too far off the fairway. I mean, you can miss a fairway and be fine. Um, a lot of holes, you can chase a ball up there if you needed to, which is, which is great. Um, but you're going to have to really get a guy who – it's hitting his driver well, number one, and number two has a really strong short game. Um, you'll see this week, I mean, when when I was playing it, they had just redone some of the bunkers, and it reminded me uh, a little bit like Augustus, super white sand. Um, it was really green at the time. I'm not sure what it's going to look like this week, but um, it's, it's going to be a really tough test for them this week, mainly because of the length. And like Jesse said, if they have two and a half, three inch rough and they don't plan on cutting it uh, for the rest of the week with some of the rain that they're getting, um, you're going to have to have a guy that has some really strong, uh, really strong shots, really strong wrists to get in and out of that rough. Um, one last thing they said with the new greens they put in, they're supposed to be, I think, what, 12 and a half, 13th on the stamp. But uh, with this rain, it might get down to about an 11, 11 and a half. Do you think that's – I know it's a factor, but do you think it's going to be a major factor or just because the bouncing of the, of the green is going to still make it difficult? I mean, I, I think they'll have this run as fast as they can. Now the, the, obviously, the weather's the big unknown, um, but I, I think they're going to be lightning quick. I mean, they were lightning quick the last time they played this golf course, so – I, I, I'm almost positive they're going to be just running about as quick as they can. All right, Jesse, uh, take us into some key stats you were targeting this week. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking a lot at driving distance. You know, anytime a golf course plays 7,600 yards, uh, that's one of my first and foremost things that I'm going to be looking at because um, that oftentimes obviously equates into being able to hit longer irons uh, better and – you know, it also just being closer to the green and hitting a shorter iron. So, um, and green regulation is another big thing, like usual, kind of a broken record on a lot of this stuff. But uh, like Bucks also said, um, scrambling, I think, is a key stat. And then I, I normally don't weight it, and I'm not really, but it's in the back of my head is, you know, putters, you know, guys who can putt. Because um, if the greens are rolling fast and they're brand new, you know, that can be a – that if, if I, a good putter like a Jordan Spieth is – is going to have a better chance, in my opinion. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, so there's a, a few key stats that I'm targeting. Um, I talked about scrambling. Proximity from the edge of the fairway is another one that I'll look at. Uh, but, but checking that out, a lot of guys are in the same type of range. But obviously, distance is going to be a factor. Um, approaches from 200 to 225 yards. Um, scrambling huge and then I am looking at to mix with the scrambling um, and some of the green speeds the way they are some of the greens the way they're going to have some of these pins tucked I'm looking for putters under 15 feet so even guys that might miss a ton of greens they can get up and down all over the place because I don't think the scoring is going to be super low here 
Um, so I'm looking for those grinded out type of guys that are fine making par after par after par and are okay with it. Because uh, I think that's going to be more what this uh, event is about, more like a U.S. Open type feel. Um, so I'm less targeting the guys that are just going to go super low all day, like a ROM, um, and targeting more guys that I think will grind it out, even if the weather's bad, make a ton of pars, sprinkle in some birdies here and there. I like that. Yeah, I'm definitely on board with the driving distance and accuracy there. And then uh, the approach within 200, something I'm definitely paying attention to as well. Um, let's get to the nitty gritty here. Let's get to the DraftKings picks and we'll kick it off um, in the five digit range above 10,000. Got Speeth at 12,000, McElroy at 11.8, Dustin Johnson at 11.4, Ricky at 10.7, Matsuyama at 10.5, Day at 10.4, and Rom at 10.1. Uh, Jesse, what are you looking at in this range? Yeah, uh, it's, you know, we say it, we, I think we've said this about every week, but you can make a case for any one of these guys. For me, I think I'm, of, of all of these guys, I'm going to be focusing more on Jordan Spieth um, because, A, I think he'll be less owned. Uh, B, he also needs um, this to complete the career in slam, and he would do that earlier than Tiger Woods uh, did. And then, B, he's just – He's just been putting lights out. I mean, it's just amazing how good he's been putting. So he'll kind of be my my, my most owned. Um, I did a little bit more looking and a little bit more research today, and I, I'm going to have some Roy McIlroy, and then I'll probably sprinkle in a little bit of uh, Ricky Fowler and some Hideki. Um, it'll be interesting to see Hideki's ownership after last week uh, because coming off a win um, – Sometimes they're you know the guy's more highly owned. Sometimes people fade him more. So it'll be really interesting to see exactly where he ends up falling in that region. Um, what do you think on that, Bucks? Yeah, I think um, I think as far as Hideki goes, we'll see in the Millie Maker uh, some of the lower dollar events. We'll see increased ownership for Hideki, okay. but in some of the larger events, the three thirty three, the fifteen hundred, the um, the dome, in the in the dome, I think you'll see a lower ownership just because he won last week. Um, mm-hmm. It's r- really tough to go back to back. I I don't think um, I don't think he wins this week, but I definitely think he can make a run at it. And yeah. at, at that price point, you need a guy that you think is going to win. And for that reason, I'm all over Rory this week. He has incredible course history. This seems to be his like his bread and butter course on tour. Um, he's had a, a couple wins here, really high finishes, just seems to set up really well. Not only that, but he's started to really play well over the last couple weeks. So I'll be incredibly heavy on Rory uh, for the first time in a long time. Um, a guy, I mean, the guys that I do like, I mean, you can make a case for all of them, like you said, but Jordan, I think, is one of those plotters that will grind it out, like I said. Um, but I have a hard time picking against Rory this week. So um, for that reason, I'll be 85% Rory, and I'll probably sprinkle in um, a little bit of DJ, a little bit of Spieth, um, but not much. Yeah, I can't argue with anything there. Spieth, I like the angle of – I think he'll kind of be lower on just price point alone. You can't ignore the way he's been playing, especially of late. But um, 
Rory is my target. And just like you, Bucks, I've been pretty anti-Rory most of the season. But the way he's playing right now, the way he plays at Quail, um, I'm a big fan of what he has going on. I can't overlook DJ, especially with his driving distance. I know he can spray it around at times, but um, I think that's a big plus for him. And then I know it's a guy you mentioned you didn't like, um, but I am still looking at John Rahm just because of the talent level that he has when he's driving it well and staying out of trouble, which is a big if on this course, like you said. But for a GPP angle, I like the way uh, he can play and at worst make the cut and get us to the weekend, which you want more at 10-1. But Rahm, I think, is a, a nice GPP play because I think most guys in this range will go up to the uh, more quote-unquote – big guys or even like a, a Ricky Fowler who's just a, you know, a popular name or they'll go below the 10 ones. So that's where I'm looking at Rom there, but Rory's my main guy in this range. Yeah. I do yeah. like Rom. I do like, I do like Rom this week. Um, I, I think that I would look at him more on a different style of course, but that being said, when Rom gets going, he is one of the best players in the world and it doesn't matter where he's playing at. Um, and so I, I do have some ROM this week. Um, obviously not a ton with the, the whole Rory situation. Um, but I do think ROM, if he starts finding him, finding that swing, finding that driver, I think he'll be in the top three to five easily for sure. Yeah, that's been, I mean, that's been his issue more recently is he's hitting the ball off the tee very poorly. And that putter actually last week was very good and bailed him out quite a bit. And he shot 79 on Friday last week. So, I mean, if you get that down to par, you know, he's in much better shape for the whole entire tournament. But either way, for me, I don't know. I mean, just if he gets out and he gets into the rough and he starts getting frustrated or, you know, he gets behind a tree or, you know, some fan yells, ba ba booey at him or something, you know, he's liable to melt. And that's still my issue with him more than anything else, is the mental game. I've noticed still isn't there because I saw him blow up last week. Gotcha. So here's the question I have for you guys. Rory is, in my opinion, going to be the clear highest-owned golfer this week. Yeah, yeah. What do you what do you think his ownership percentage is in, let's say, the Millie Maker? I mean, I think, I think he'll be 30 to 40% owned. Yeah, I was going to say around 40%. Now in the, I mean, the, he, the I think he's going to be really level chalk. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think in the three thirty three, the dome he'll be higher than that. Honestly, fifty. I agree. Uh, yeah, because like I told you guys earlier before we started, you can get a lot of you can be really different down below, and you don't have to be super contrarian up top if you don't want to be. Yeah, exactly. That's the way. I mean, the uh, fact that's the way I'm looking. The fact at. the matter is, you have to, if you choose a guy in the five k or the, the 10K and above range, they have to win to pay off. And you're, yeah. you're either banking on Rory winning or you're not playing them. Yeah. Well, same thing with Jordan. But yeah, exactly. I, I like Jordan for the – I think he'll be 20% or less. But, yeah, I, I, see, I see Rory being super high on this week. And that's really the thing. That I'm, that's the only reason I just have any hesitation on him. Yeah. No, that's, that's very valid. Um, let's go into this 9K range. you got four golfers. you got Stenson at 98, Sergio at 94, Brooks at 92, and Justin Rose, who coming off a very rough weekend at the WGCs at 9,000. 
Bucks kick us off in the 9K range. Yeah, I mean, this this range, and I, it wasn't last week. I think it was the British, maybe. This range is just terrible. I mean, there should be eight, <laughs> there should be eight other guys in, in this range um, to really spread some things out. But um, I if I were to target a couple guys in this range, um, it would be Stenson and Rose. I do think last week was an anomaly for Rose. I mean, he is – Stripes the ball really well. He's fairly accurate off the tee. Hits a pretty long, good scrambler of the golf ball. Stenson's another guy doesn't hit uh, it too far off line, especially when he's hitting that three wood. Um, so if the fairways get running hot, he'll hit a lot of that three wood. Um, but Sergio, he's lost a little bit of that driver, and he that's the only reason typically I take Sergio is because he's almost a guaranteed cut made. Um, but if he's not hitting his driver well here, he's going to have some real problems scoring. The way he swings the ball coming out of the rough is tough. Um, and then, obviously, Brooks, it's hard to argue with what he's done over the last couple of tournaments. But that being said, um, I just think that Stenson and Rose have a better chance. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, um, I don't really like this reason at all either, and I'm, I'm with you, Bucks. I think they – should have put more golfers here. I mean, in the past, there probably would have been six or seven golfers in this in this area to make you think more and not be able to just roster everybody like this is the age we live in. Rose actually has a third and a fifth um, at Quail Hollow, Wells Fargo in the past. So he does have some some good course history. I just – I don't know. I, I, I've not seen anything out of really anybody in this region recently that makes me go, yeah, I need to roster him other than Brooks's win at the U S open. Um, and since then, you know, he's fixed at the British and 17th at the Bridgestone last week. So he's the only guy in this region that I I'll, I'll have any of, um, I'm normally on all over Henrik. I'm normally all over Sergio, but they've just recently just been playing like, like not doing anything at all. So I've uh, come to the decision. I'm no longer wasting my money on those two guys. Yeah, I can't blame you. That like this is almost it's not quite the 5K guys, obviously, but with the value down below, you have to get a big performance out of these guys. And Stinson and Sergio haven't shown that of late. But um, if I had to take anybody in this range, I'm looking at Brooks. Just by the way, he can drive the ball. He's um, really good at 200 plus 250 out coming into the greens. And uh, when you look at his par, his par five scoring, he's second best right now. So there's a lot to like. And like I said last week, I'm a big recent form guy. So uh, Brooks would be the guy I'd look at here. But I really could care less for any of these four guys if I don't have to. Right. I'm with you. Let's get into the 8K range. It gets a little more interesting. You got JT at 89. Cooch, who just doesn't take a weekend off of golf at 88. Adam Scott at 86, Phil at 85, Grace at 82, Leishman at 81, and Fleetwood at 8,000. Jesse, take us away at the 8,000s. Yeah, it's another kind of, uh, you know, kind of like blah, and there should be more golfers in this range, in my opinion, as well, just to sharpen up the pricing some uh, because it's too easy to make whatever else you want. Anyways, um, Adam Scott – I think that price is super ridiculous, 8,600. Now, he's not been super sharp and, like, you know, blowing the world out, but he did finish 13th last week at the Bridgestone, and he finished 22nd at the British Open. Um, so he's 
flashing a little bit of form there at 8,600. I can take that all day, especially in my opinion, in cash games. He's going to make the cut more than likely. And, you know, we'll get you some weekend points there. Um, other than him, I'll probably have a little bit of Leishman, a little bit of Fleetwood. Um, neither one of them really have done anything spectacular recently to make me go, yeah, you know, these guys um, have to be on my rosters. But in this range, those would be the other two that I'm looking at. I'll have absolutely none of Phil. I don't care about his course history. He's His, his driving accuracy is so trash right now that there's – no possible way that he can even potentially break apart this golf course if he continues to hit the ball all over the place. And Justin Thomas, man, I just can't trust him with the 80s. He usually fires. Yeah. No doubt. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, I mean, th- there's a couple guys here that I like. Um, I actually do like Justin Thomas this week. I think he was starting to turn around his ball striking last week, and if he finds his putter – um, he's long enough. Um, he, he has a really solid short game, actually. I think he's top 25 and scrambling. Um, so I do like Justin Thomas this week. I'll learn a little bit of him. Um, Scott, obviously, if he can get his putter rolling, which is tough for him to do, he's one of the best players in the world. Um, and then one thing that I will mention, and Jesse kind of hit on it, is Phil. He's finished – the last three events here at Quail Hollow, third, 11th, and fourth. But that being said, Jesse's absolutely right. He's been hitting his driver terrible. Um, and I'll be honest, this is one of those courses that may suit his eye, and he can come right back and find it. He has been playing well most of the year. Um, but that being said, with again, the caddy change, the way he's been hitting his driver, I'm still not going to take him this week. He He's, I would say – him and Brooks are really good GPP flyers if you're doing some mass entry stuff. But if you have just a few lineups that you're playing or just playing one three thirty three or something like that, he's too risky in my opinion. Yeah, I want nothing to do with Phil at all. And I've heard it's a couple places today about, oh, his course history is great. He loves his course. No, I'm sorry. Like you guys both said, he is horrific right now. And somehow he keeps making cuts, but even when he makes a cut, then he blows up on the weekend. Doesn't help your team at all. And I know, I know with Rory, I, I mentioned this being like his favorite track, but we we have to be honest that this course, with the what they've done with the trees and with the changing of the greens, it's not going to be like the same course that they're used to. No, they they typically come in here expecting to shoot 13, 14 under, having to win. And this week is going to be completely different. So uh, I'm taking right. course history a little more out of it, uh, which is exactly why I'm fading Phil. But that being said, this is nothing like what we're typically seeing at Quail Hollow. I am too. I mean, I'm waiting in a little bit, but it's not like it usually would be if, it's, if they didn't redesign this deal. I heard, I heard a good uh, comparison was like a Tory Pines or something like that is what it's looking like. And um, – That'll factor into some of the later guys I do like. But in this range, I'm all over Adam Scott. Like Jess, pretty much everything Jesse said, I love the way Adam Scott just – he grinds it. He makes cuts for you, like you said. And he's always got that potential to make a run on the weekends to at least the top five, if not more. Um, and then I like Mark Leishman just because um, the way I look at this weekend is you have a bunch of – not noobs might be the wrong word, but you get a lot of people that don't play very often. So – if you can just get that six of six, it's even bigger. Was it 
the British Open where we saw a pretty high amount of six of sixes, yeah. or was that after? Yeah, no, the chalk. Yeah. It's been recently. Chalk's been killing it. Yeah, so I'm looking at Leishman, who's just he has the potential to top ten it for you, um, and for the most part of late, he hasn't been killing you. He has. He's made the cut in nine of his last ten, if you just go off the game logs on DraftKings, and most of those are, like, top 20 finishes. So he's keeping it around for he doesn't, like, light the world on fire, but for 82 or 81, he's worth the play for me. Hey, um, hey Bubba. Yeah. Let's, let's switch it up. What do you think about the 7,000 to 7,900 range? Take it away <laughs> from Jesse. Take it away from Jesse. <laughs> oh, well, there's one guy I really, really yeah. like. He's $7,800. And it's <laughs> this guy is just an amazing golfer. If you guys didn't know, he's really, really good at golf. And, um, yeah, I'll just leave the rest to you later. But um, I am definitely looking at Paul Casey. Like, recent form, a lot of the stats, he's playing phenomenal golf right now. He didn't even have that major blow-up he usually has. That He still makes the cut but prevents him from winning last weekend. He just didn't kill it. Um, I'm looking at Alexander Norn at 7,900 bucks. He's consistently a guy that gets overlooked. People forget he's one of the top players in the world. And if it wasn't for a rough, uh, I believe it was, a, I got the right here. He had like one rough round that just destroyed his overall. Third. Yeah. Third round killed him because he was playing great golf. And then even on Sunday, he played really well. I like Norn a lot. He does have some distance that could help him on this course. Hey, and Bubba. then I told him, Yeah. Does Norin's stats in the majors worry you at all? No. Um, you know, you probably could think it will, and that's one thing. But for, A, GPP, that's great because you're going to hear that narrative everywhere. Yep. And um, But, B, I'm just looking at the way he has been playing, and as a whole, he's been playing pretty well outside of, obviously, the British Open. But um, – we pull it up right here. Yeah, yeah. He missed, or he missed a scot at the open version. He had a six, so he did play really well at that major. But um, the only biggest concern, I wouldn't be as worried about the majors per se. I'd be worried that he spends most of his time at in Europe. He plays a little bit over here, but it's mainly in Europe for the most part. That part could concern you a little bit, like we mentioned about Bello last weekend. But he is definitely one of the top players in the world and is worth the seventy nine. For me um you could look at burger he's playing really well but another guy like 7600 is charlie hoffman he's just playing way way too good right now he can hit it long he is in play and then um i'll stop here and let the buck get passed around but uh tomas peters at 75 i'm just worried he's gonna be too chalky after his last weekend's performance but i like him for gpps because he's like an all-or-nothing guy he's either gonna bomb it and put you in contention or he's going to miss the cut and make you pissed off come Saturday. So I got some more, but we'll pass it around a little bit because there's a lot in the 7K range. Okay. Well, Jesse. I will. I'll, I'll, go ahead, Jesse. Anybody. <laughs> well, Paul Casey, let's be honest, probably going to win. So 100% Paul Casey week for sure. I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, my issue with Peter's – he hits 39% of the fairways last week. And if he does that this week, he's going to be in a world of hurt. I've looked at Peters, and I, I would love to be able to roster him, but he's, like, so sketch. He's just I, I just don't think I can. Hoffman playing some of the best golf in the world. You already touched on this. Coming off a 
third and a second and a 20th. Um, so, you know, he's liable to, to light the world on fire. My issue with Hoffman is he's probably going to be pretty chalky because what are people going to do? They're going to go Rory. Average is about 7,800 left. So they go down and they see Charlie Hoffman, been playing well, auto roster, you know, probably 20% plus on Charlie Hoffman, which would kind of suck. Um, and the, as far as above 7,500, um, that's about it there. I'll, I'll dip down into this below 7,500 7, range. I like Jamie Lovemark. Uh, Balmer has been playing well, and he also played really well at the British Open, finished 22nd, coming off of 27th at the U.S. Open. So the majors, he's played well. Tony Finau going to be really, really chalky, but he fits the mold of what you want here out of a golfer coming off of fifth at the uh, Canadian Open, 27th, the British, 7th at the Greenbrier. Gets it a mile. Um, if he can make some putts, he'll be there. And then I'm going back to Xander Schauffele again. Um, I think he's got a really good chance again. And then Kevin Chappell to kind of wind it down there. Bucks? I can dig it, man. Um, yeah, I mean, you touched on the majority of the guys that I'm kind of focused on. Casey is my second highest play this week. Um, outside of Rory, but I have a Rory Casey finale stack in a ton of contests. I think I have nine lineups and I have that stack in maybe like five or six of them. Um, <laughs> Uber chalky. Yes. Super chalk bucks. Exactly. But, but, but it's the, it's the other three guys that'll make the difference. I think, True. True. but if, if those three guys hit, then if I find the right combination with the other three guys, um, then I'll be looking at a big cash this week. So that's what I'm hoping on. But some of the guys that you touched on, Berger, um, hard, hard not to like the, what he's doing, hitting it fairly accurate, hitting it long. Um, Hoffman obviously might be the hottest player in the world right now. Um, so I definitely have some of him. And he's he's kind of one of those guys that you almost can't fade, but he, he's going to be super chalky. The nice thing is, with as good as he's playing, I'm hoping he takes some of the ownership off of Casey. Um, I'm not sure that's going to happen, but we'll see. The other two guys in this range that I, I do like, I'm not going to have a ton of them just because of everybody else, but uh, Schwartzel, solid, shows up in majors. Um, and then Lucas Glover has been surprisingly hot lately, been striping the ball. Um really good stats in most of the key categories can get up and down proximity is great 200 to 225 approach. Um, I think he's leading one of those stats, uh, but he's another guy that I'll be targeting as well. Um, but really for me, the whole week relies on Casey and Pinnell. I got a couple names just to ask questions. You guys, whoever wants to take these can take them, but um, like a JB Holmes who it's a deep, he, um, he, I know that this isn't the same quail. We already talked about it, but he has one at quail before. Um, yeah, like Poulter, and then a couple 7K guys in Thorburn, Olsen, and Hudson Swafford as GPP options. And I got one more, but I want to hear your opinions on those real quick. Uh, whoever wants to run with that. I'll take JB. Um, my issue with him is, I mean, he's got really good apex height. You know, that's that's obviously huge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
besides that win, I mean, he's got a ninth place finish. He's got three missed cuts at Quail Hollow and two fiftieths. He's just man, he's just hard to for me to pin down. He's very frustrating. So I typically stay off JB. Um, I mean, you can make a case for him. He definitely hits it long enough, but his putter has been sketch and it always is sketch. And, you know, on brand new greens, I'm not really sure that I would trust him. What about those seven K guys, bucks, anything there? Poulter, Swafford. Poulter has obviously been fire, hot fire lately. Um, I'm fading him just because I do think he will be a little chalky this week. Um, And I don't think what he's been doing is sustainable for him. I don't think he's long enough um, to kind of sustain the, the scores he's been putting up. Olison is a guy that I really like, and I, I play him an awful lot, especially it seems like I've played him um, quite a bit in the Masters, but he is another guy that reminds me a lot like Casey, young guy, super, super solid swing, um, can hit it fairly long, just good all-around player, and he makes a ton of birdies too, so. If he can get his putter hot and, and get that short game working, he has, he has a really good shot this week. Yeah, I, want, I wanted to make sure I wasn't just seeing things with him because everything I was looking at stood out like really, really nice GPP type stuff there. Um, I, I will say for, for guys like that who strictly play on the Euro Tour, it does take it a notch down for me compared to the guys that play in the States all week, every week. Um, and that's the only reason I don't have him this week. He, I love him. I love Norin. Um, but playing primarily on the Euro tour coming over to the States, you do see a regression in my opinion. Um, and so I'll be fading a little bit because of that. Now the other two guys, Casey Hoffman were my first two. I mentioned love Mark and Shawflay are my other five, four core guys in this range. Then some darts. The one name I did not mention, and then we can move on. I want Jesse to start with this. Bubba Watson is 7300 bucks, and he's actually playing decent of late and can hit the ball a mile. I know he can get into trouble. Is he worth a GPP? Uh, I mean, I, I, do, I do think so. He's, he's really been actually getting a lot better recently, and it's frustrating to watch because, you know, I like Bubba all right, but he's so up and down and all over the place. Um, you know, he can – he's actually a pretty good scrambler – um, of the ball, um, and his short game is is generally pretty good. Um, so I, I think he is worth a GPP play. He'll probably be in the, you know, maybe potentially ten percent range in something like the Millie Maker. So not bad. Um, I definitely wouldn't play him in cash. And anything smaller than the you know the Millie Maker, I don't know if I'd really mess with it. But you know, he's a scorer. He can make birdies. Well, let's get to the 69 and below, which is just loaded, and I'm not even going to read them. Jesse, start us off in the 69 range. Yeah, uh, I mean, <clears throat> there's a few plays down here. Actually, a lot of, I actually like a lot of guys down here, and I could go on for days about them, but probably number one on my list, um, There's well, there's a couple, really. Anyways, Ross Fisher, he's been playing really, really good golf at 6,600. Um, he'll be, you know, less than 5% of the Millie Maker. Kind of a, a party-to-death type of guy, but, you know, if it's if it plays as difficult as Bucks was talking about, you know, that could be very good just to make the cut, and that's really the main focus if you're down here in this area. Um, Jordan, Jordan Smith is coming off a win. Plays a European tour only, really, 
And he's coming off a win um, at the European Open a couple weeks back. Uh, so he'll be another sub-5% guy. And then I'm interested to hear kind of what Bucks thinks about um, his boy from a couple weeks ago, Ryan Fox. I know you were all over Ryan Fox a couple weeks ago. He misses the cut at the British Open. Are you willing to go back this week? No. <laughs> only, only because of the whole Euro Tour coming to the U.S., playing, that kind of thing. There's so many good names down here in this range that um, – well, put it this way. If you are mass entering the Millie Maker and you have a ton of lineups that you're looking to differentiate, sure, take a flyer at him. But if you have three or four or five lineups, he's – there's so many other guys around here. I wouldn't bother with it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Who else you like in Bucks? Yeah, so in this range, I mean, there's a couple guys that I, I really, really like, and I'm hoping that they're not chalky because um, with my core, I have to go down here to get a couple guys. Um, Cantlay, I think he will be a little chalky. I do like him this week. Um, oh, I mean uh, – a lot of guys are on him, but he's been super solid. Um, he's played this course quite a bit, which is nice. Um, another guy that I like, but I'm going to fade mainly because of distance and putting concerns is Molinari. Super consistent, makes a ton of cuts. And I, I do think he makes a cut here, but I don't give him a chance to kind of make a run for it. Um, but the other guys that I really like down here, which is surprising – one is Keegan Bradley. I dislike Keegan so much, typically, but he's been playing really well. Um, he fits the mold for this course. He hits a fairly long, hits a fairly straight, good scrambler. Um, I'm going to go back to Jason Duffner in a couple lineups. Um, he would have burned me super hard last week, but I think because of that, his ownership will be low. Um, and then the last two guys I'll mention, uh, Gary Woodland, who burned a ton of people last week. Again, his ownership will be low because of it, but has great course history here, which, again, I'm not holding too much weight, but he hits the ball super long, um, good out of the rough. And if he can get that short game working, I think he has a chance to, to be in contention. The last guy I mentioned, and this guy I have, um, I think, more than anybody down here, outside of Bradley is Danny Lee. He had been playing really, really good golf for a long time. I think he withdrew after the first round back, uh, I don't know, four or five weeks ago. Um, he came back, start hit, started hitting the ball really well last week. And he's kind of my guy down here that I think could give it a run. He hits the ball super solid, really good short game. Um, and he's really good from like 200 to 225 yards. So, He'll definitely definitely be my core down in this range. Yeah, I'm with you on Keegan Bradley. I jumped on his wagon a couple of weeks ago after being anti-Keegan forever. He's playing too good to just completely ignore like we used to. Um, Kokrok is an interesting guy to me just based on what he can do distance-wise uh, at a course like this. A guy that seems to show up at – majors even though he's a euro player and just some random u.s events beef johnson at 67 gets my attention um i know he can blow up but he also just seems to find his way they must have arby's close to the the courses i don't know but he finds his way 
in a decent finishing position at these tournaments. I agree with you on Woodland. Before last week's blow-up, he was playing really, really well. So I'm going to kind of notch that one up to just, you know, a bad weekend, and we'll see if it burns me again. But he's at least making cuts at that price point. Um, I had Ross Fisher on my list just like you, Jesse. And then um, did I mention James Hahn? James Hahn. but I like him. James Hahn. That's probably my top guy down here, but he's like 69, so it's almost 7K. But James Hahn, I think, is way too cheap for what he can do at a course like this. I know, like you said, this isn't the quill of old, but he has one here. Um, I believe he's done pretty well here overall. And this shit, and he does, like, with Torrey Pines, is any comparison, like few people are saying, he plays well there. This could be a nice course for James Hahn at $6,900 to get you a nice run for your money there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, there's, there's a lot down here. So, I mean, you can – I think ownership will be pretty spread out, but it makes it super easy to go stars and scrubs. I mean, one guy you guys did not mention, I'll throw it out there, Zach Johnson, $6,800, come off a second-place finish at the Bombers course uh, up in Ohio last week. So, Yep. I had him circled. We have Jimmy Walker, the defending champion, who played well last week. I mean, it's loaded, like – yeah. Other guys that I like, I just didn't mention. Um, I'm all over Woodland. He's actually in the in the write up that I'll put out tomorrow. But uh, Bud Colley, I think he could be sneaky good. Um, GPP only. Chez Reeve, another guy they just put into the uh, the into the field today on DraftKings or whatever. So Chez, another guy who potentially could make a run. Brendan Steele down. Well, no, Brendan Steele's at 7,300. My bad. Um, but I can't lay as well, like you said, already bucks. Andy Sullivan, potential. I mean, there's there's a lot down there, man. It's it's pretty well loaded. Do whatever you want to. You got a guy like Daniel, you got a guy like Daniel Summerhays, sixty seven, who can hit it long and make cuts for you. That's all you're looking for. Yeah, you got it for days down here. So it makes it easier to do the stars and scrubs. And as we've noticed with majors, that might be what they're trying for to get more people to come out and play. So like I think yeah. we talked about before, it might be better to get your your middle of the pack type of stuff going on. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Bucks, kick us off. What are your top punt plays? Give us a couple of your favorite, favorite ones from below seven. Um, yeah, I think Danny Lee, obviously, he's right up there, Bradley. And one guy I didn't mention that I am mixed on just because of the length of the course, but he has good track record really good in most of the key stats outside of driving distance is Steve Stricker. The dude is just really solid in most of the, the stats that I, that I like been playing when he plays, which is rare these days when he plays, he shows up and he's kind of one of those guys that I think even being short, um, he's going to find a lot of fairways, which is good. He will be hitting a lot of long irons hybrids into these greens uh, which is fine because you're going to have a lot of guys missing greens, but where he stands out is a short game. Really, really good scrambler, really good putter. Um, so he's one of those guys that I'm definitely going to be playing around this week. And I think because of his distance uh, or lack thereof, he'll be a little lower owned than, than expected. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, um, you know, I, I like Buck Colley a lot. I think Woodland – I talk about this a little bit in the article, but I think coming off like Bucks already talked about, 
It's going to be lower owned coming off the lackluster performance last week. So you'll be able to get him at a lower percentage or percentage than you would normally probably. Uh, if you had a good, especially if you had a good showing last week. Duffner, I think, is a good a good play down here at 67. Um, Danny Lee, you know, I, I can get behind that one as well. I think Vegas has a little bit of merit. He's been playing a lot better here recently. He does have a 50-30 here in 2016. Um, coming off the 17th last week, of course, he won the Canadian two weeks ago uh, before he missed five straight cuts, or after he missed five straight cuts on tour. So he's obviously found something, um, and he's played here before. So <clears throat> with Danny Lee, though, I heard uh, – my buddy who was at the golf course today was getting his autograph, and then he was like, I shouldn't sign that. I don't feel very good. So I don't know what that means. Damn it, Jesse. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. I don't know, dude. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe he's just – maybe he just uh, – I don't know. You know. Who knows, man? But that's what he said. That's what he told my, my dude. So. Oh, great. Well, hopefully his mom or dad's there to rub, you know, Vapo rub on his chest or something. <laughs> Um, my top punt play would be uh, I like Keegan a lot, Ross Fisher, Woodland, but my top one's uh, James Hahn. That's who I'm going to battle with down below 7K. Um, give us your top bust, Bucks. Man, this is a this is a tough one, just because I think a lot of the upper tier guys have a good shot this week, but. I am going to say Matsuyama and Sergio Garcia as my two really surprised missed cuts. One, Sergio never misses a cut. Um, but I think uh, if he doesn't find his driver quick, he could be in real trouble. And Matsuyama, I don't know, I just want him to miss a cut. So I think uh, <laughs> I think after the win, he might – he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that kind of gets checked out, but um, he said he's been struggling with the swing, which we didn't see on Sunday, but um, force and just for pure selfish reasons, I hope everybody outside of Rory misses the cut. So, <laughs> What about you, Jesse? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say like – of, of the guys who will be, you know, above 10% miss cut, 15%, something like that. I think Peters misses the cut. I think he, he'll be over on this week for what, um, you know, he, he really should be given this uh, this tournament and this layout and blah, blah, blah. Besides that, you know, I, it, it's really, I mean, I mean, it's really hard up top to say, but I'd say like somebody like DJ, you know, he's just, He's just been hitting the ball so poorly off the tee. If he doesn't figure something out very shortly, he's not going to be around the weekend. Yep. Yep. Uh, my guys, I'm with you 100% on Sergio. I just don't like what he's been doing at all. With you on that one, Bucks. And then the guy none of us – we mentioned earlier, but not here, Phil Mickelson is missing the cut this weekend. I'm just going <laughs> – it's happening because he's always heavily owned because people just cling to the name, and he will miss the cut this weekend. I'm going <laughs> going with that one. Um, what are your core players, Jesse? Uh, for me, I'm probably going to be centered around Jordan Spieth. And then and it, Finau, I, don't, I mean, I just can't get behind Finau if he's 20% owned. So I don't have to put a fade there. I really like Finau, though. Um, 
obviously Paul Casey's going to be one of my highest known guys because he's playing golf. And then I'm, I'll probably get a lot of Charlie Hoffman as well. What about you, Bucks? Rory, Casey, and Finale. Those are my three core guys and the majority of my lineups. And I understand it's chalky, and that's 100% fine with me um, because I, I do think all three have a chance to win. I think Casey's overly due for a win, and Rory just owns this place. So, Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you guys. I got Rory, Casey, and Hoffman as my big three. Again, chalky likely, but – I'll deviate. I'll deviate below that on stuff we've mentioned before. So I'll go with those three as my core players. Bucks, who's your pick to win? I'll do a. I mean, obviously Rory, um, but outside of Rory, um, I, I have to go with Casey. I mean, the guy's been knocking on the door for a while. The one guy I would love to see win now is Hoffman. So I'll be rooting for him as well. Hey, Jesse, outside of Casey, who do you think is going to win? <laughs> I'm not allowed to pick Casey anymore. Is that what, is that what this is? No, we, are, we already give you Casey. I've reached my Paul Casey limit of uh, – You already get him. Now it's time to pick him. That's kind of some BS. Um, <laughs> no, no, I like Jordan Speed a lot. Um, I, I do. I think Jordan Speed has uh, as good, obviously, if not a better chance than anybody else in the field. Um, but outside of, you know, top, kind of an outsider type of guy, I'll go, um, with Xander. I like, I like Xander. I think he potentially could break through this week. Did you guys see what Charlie was talking with his uh, caddy about on, I guess it was Sunday on think 17? No. Yes, it was awesome. Yeah. So he was talking with his caddy and his caddy was trying to talk him out. I think 17 is a par five. Caddy was trying to talk him out of going for it because it was 282 yards. He's like, you can just lay up and still make birdie because he was two shots down at that point. And he was like, I'm tired of finishing second. I'll let you talk me out of it if you want to, but I'm tired of finishing second. And he hits the 282 yard with the three wood. So, I mean, it might be his time. I like Charlie. He's just so hard to predict. I like that call. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't shown the ability to finish the only frustrating part. But um, I'm with you guys on Rory. That's just – I know it's chalky. I'd love to see Hoffman just like you guys. If I have to pick one off the wall, uh, give me – well, it's not off the wall. But give me Adam Scott. I'll take Adam Scott to, uh, to win it. All right, Jesse, why don't you lead us in the listeners' questions? Uh, yeah, so first question was how many strokes does Justin Thomas win by? That's negative, happened. negative 10. <laughs> 10. So, assuming he makes the cut, how many A's does he shoot? Oh, man. Oh, man. That's tough. I, it, I, I think I think Justin has it. Honestly, he has a shot. But he's too, sus- he's too susceptible to the blow-ups. I mean, I'll have him in, obviously, a GPP, but uh, he's, he's so hit or miss. Yeah. I, I don't think he has a chance. Um. And then the next one is top three mispriced um, players on DraftKings and FanDuel. So, for me, I I really think that DraftKings did a better job of pricing this, even though I think they could still do better. One way or the other, I think Paul Casey's mispriced, Zach Johnson at 6,800 is mispriced, 
and Adam Scott at 8,600 is mispriced. And over on FanDuel, it's a lot softer. 100, I think, is super low. Hoffman at 6,500 is way too low. And then I didn't do a whole heck of a lot of looking over on FanDuel because once I got to Charlie Howe, I was like, Jesus, $5,200 for Charles Howe third on FanDuel. That's just insane to me. We, we didn't even mention Charles on uh, DK. I believe he's like 6,400 on DK. Yeah, he's super cheap there too. But, I mean, 52 over on FanDuel is – Bottom of the barrel. Um, yeah. What you guys got? Yeah, I'm, I, I think for me, uh, Casey, obviously, Hoffman, like you mentioned. Um, but when you look at, like, Jimmy Walker – uh, when you look at Steve Stricker, some of those guys, I think they're incredibly mispriced as well. Um, I mean, you could make a case for the majority of the people in the 7K range. Um, mm-hmm. But F- Finale is another one. And the only reason I'm playing Finale as much as I am is because he's so cheap. But the yeah. dude the dude in the last six months is a top 10 golfer. So um i think him at 7k i think he should be more in the 7900 to 8200 range um but yeah there's so many guys that are out there that i think should be in the 8 to 9k range 9k to 10k range that are not that i think should be right yeah i i agree um Casey and Hoffman to start with then you go to like guy i know he struggled last week we said it but woodland at 67 is too cheap and, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much, like, I, I echo what you said. The whole, the whole 7K range, you could see, like, Xander at 7K. He should at least be middle sevens, I think, if not higher. Um, there's a lot, lot that can be adjusted in that middle to lower end. Yep. Next question? Yeah, go for it. Uh, basically, the next question was, name some shorter – hitters who have decent course history at Quill Hollow. And so I kind of went through, and one of the ones that popped really well was James Hahn. So that's good news for you, Bubba. And then Stricker, Stricker, decent. I I didn't really look at Stricker because I think he was probably like negative driving distance, so I didn't really pay attention. Um, 75. How short is that? And I'm driving me. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pretty (laughs) – Pretty low. Um, and the other guys, I mean, Chapel, I don't really necessarily consider short hitter, but it, I mean, he might be 41st, 16th, 11th in his last three starts. William McGirt, um, he hits at less than 300 yards, 17th and a 28th in his last two starts at Quill Hollow. Kevin Naw, another interesting cat, 18th miscut, 5th, 14th in his last four at Quill Hollow. And then Jimmy Furyk, man. I don't know what to do with him. Miscut, miscut, second, 26th, 24th, 7th, and 11th um, since 2009. So he's got uh, got some, you know, weird course history, I guess. Not very good in the last two years. You guys got anybody else? You could look at a guy like Zach Johnson. Doesn't hit it far at all. Coming off a good win. He's been okay at Quail in the past. Not, like, outstanding, but he's been decent, I guess. But that's one that would – Make bring attention to my eyes and his price tag and everything. I like it. You got anybody bucks? No, you mentioned the most of them. Stricker is one of those guys, I think, um, who hits it super short but has a shot, I guess. 
But it's tough when you consider he's on average 30 yards behind a Dustin Johnson. And so yeah. that that is just insane. The, the fact that Stricker is in contention as much as he is, is just remarkable. Well, especially if it's going to play wet. I mean, it's going to be yeah, really, really exactly hitters. If if the if the fairways are wet, they're not rolling. It's going to make it even more difficult. Um, next question is fade Rory, D, Ricky, DJ, and Jordan. Is that crazy or smart? It's ridiculous. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. I mean, you have to have one of those guys, right? Yeah. I mean, you have got to throw out a ton of lineups to throw a lineup in there that doesn't have one of those guys. Yeah. And pray that lightning strikes and they all get sick or something. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to get really super lucky for one of those guys. One of those four guys to not be top five, I think, this week, if not two out of three or two out of four. Um, so I'll back the crazy portion of that. You got any thoughts, brother? No, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm usually one of the first ones that will – be all over. Let's not pay up and start yeah. the 9K range. I'm all about it. But this week in that range, for one, it's one of the bigger 10K ranges we've seen in a while. Right. But um, you can't. Like we keep saying, you have to have the winner. And I know it, obviously Vegas odds points to them being the favorites for a reason. And you cannot not say you can't see them winning it. So you have to have them. Right. I'm with you on that. Uh, two more questions. Uh, thoughts on how much Hideki steals ownership from Rory or will both be high owned and it won't matter. And then also the biggest chop to miss cut, which I think we already talked about that, but, um, we also talked kind of about the Hideki Rory angle there too. Um, I don't know that Hideki will steal too awful much from Rory. I think Rory will be super high owned and Hideki will still be 20 plus percent. So, uh, I don't think he'll stick steal too awful much at all from from Rory. I, I agree. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, Rory's going to get his lion's share of it all, regardless of what Hideki did last week. And then last but not least, this one rolled in uh, kind of as we started recording. But uh, guy said that his book has Leishman at seventy five to one. Is that good value? Um, yes, I think so. I mean, he's got. He's got good uh, major history recently. So, um, you know, sprinkled a little bit on, on Leishman at 75 to 1. I could get behind that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Well, good stuff, guys. If that is the end of those questions, we are ready to wrap it up. Any last words, Jesse? No, man, it's going to be a good tournament. You know, they got uh, streaming live coverage uh, basically from the time that the first guy tees off on Thursday, all day, Friday, same thing, and then. A lot of TV coverage as well, so it'll be another uh, fun event to watch. Yeah, Any final be, words, folks? Yeah, it should be an awesome event. Looking forward to it. And want to give a shout-out to all the uh, all the people that have listened to the pod recently, kind of getting on the always-pressing bandwagon. It's, uh, it's appreciated. Looking forward to a couple good weeks to really push that. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Uh, it's good stuff. We are now up on iTunes. Search always pressing PGA DFS and you will find us. Uh, subscribe, the whole cha-cha there. Uh, but as always, thanks for listening. You can check out Jesse on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Bucks is at Big Bucks No Amis or at BP Snow 11. Um, and you can find me at BD Antrip. But as always, guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week and enjoy the fourth major of the year.